the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Eternal life comes through faith in Jesus Christ and no other way. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can be reconciled to God, and that we can have eternal life. But as James says, we show our faith or we demonstrate our faith by our works. And one of the works of the righteous that we see here during the tribulation period will be that they show compassion and kindness to God's people, the Jews. One of the most beautiful truths about the love of God is that it's never-ending. Pastor Dan will remind you today that love spreads across the world, covering your sins with forgiveness and washing you clean by His grace. Since the beginning of time, God has wanted nothing more than to be reconciled with His children, to have them abide with Him for eternity. You can search all over the planet for true love and everlasting life, but eternal life and the greatest love comes by faith in Jesus Christ only. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 45 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jeremiah chapter 45, Matthew 25. Jeremiah 45, Matthew 25. Well, last week we finished chapter 44, and chapter 44 ended the record of prophecies that Jeremiah gave to the kingdom of Judah. So now the remainder of the book of Jeremiah is really just a collection of various prophecies. Most of them have to do with Gentile nations that surround the land of Israel. In chapter 46, we'll see tonight, chapter 46 describes the judgment of Egypt. Chapter 47, the judgment of the Philistines. Chapter 48, the judgment of Moab. Chapter 49, the judgment of Ammon. Actually, chapter 49 is the judgment of Ammon, Edom, Damascus, Kedar, Hazor, and Elam. Chapters 50 and 51 describe the judgment of that will come upon Babylon. Again, these are all Gentile nations that surround the land of Israel. And more importantly, these nations were against Israel at different times. These nations were enemies of the people of Israel. And God will judge these nations, these Gentile nations, for their mistreatment of the Jewish people, of the nation of Israel. And what we see here at the end of Jeremiah is really a foreshadowing of the judgment of all the nations that will take place when Jesus Christ returns to the earth and establishes his kingdom here on the earth. Jesus will judge all the nation. 
And the Bible tells us that his judgment will be based on how those Gentile nations treated the Jewish people. And I want to look at that together. So let's turn over to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is part of what is called the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is a teaching that Jesus gave on the Mount of Olives. That's why it's called the Olivet Discourse. And it's a teaching he gave to his disciples. And he's describing the events of the last days and his second coming and what will take place on the earth. And here in Matthew 25, he's talking about his second coming to the earth. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. The Bible teaches that Jesus will physically and literally return to the earth, to Jerusalem, and he will establish his throne and rule over the earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He he returns to the earth at the end of the tribulation period. Uh, And the tribulation period uh, is is that seven-year period when God is is pouring out his wrath upon the earth. It's it's the end of the age, final seven years of human history as we know it. And at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ returns to the earth with great power and glory. He returns to Jerusalem. He establishes his throne in Jerusalem. And as we see here in verse 31, he will sit on the throne of his glory Verse 32, it says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And so all of the nations at that time will be gathered before Jesus Christ, before his throne, all of the Gentile nations, those living on the earth at that time, They'll be gathered and he will separate the Gentiles into two groups. Like a shepherd separates his sheep from his goats. And now he tells us how he's going to distinguish those two groups in verse 33. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king, that's Jesus, will say to those on his right hand, come, You blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Now, who are the brethren of Jesus Christ? The Jewish people. The Jewish people. So at this judgment, when Jesus Christ returns, he gathers all the Gentile nations together before his throne in Jerusalem, the nations that are on the earth at that time, and he will separate the Gentile nations 
based on how they treated the Jewish people. Look at verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so again, we see here that this judgment in part is based on how the Gentile nations treated God's people, how they treated the Jewish people, the people of Israel. Now, and just to be clear here, verse 46 is not implying that salvation is by works or that salvation is based on a person's attitude towards the Jewish people or the nation of Israel or that a person can receive eternal life by showing kindness to the Jewish people. Eternal life comes through faith in Jesus Christ and no other way. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can be reconciled to God, and that we can have eternal life. But as James says, we show our faith, or we demonstrate our faith by our works. And one of the works of the righteous that we see here during the tribulation period will be that they show compassion and kindness to God's people, the Jews. So when Christ returns, the nations will be judged, and they'll be judged on how they mistreated the Jewish people. And then when we go back to Jeremiah now, in these final chapters of Jeremiah, we see that the Gentile nations surrounding Israel will be judged for the way they treated the Israelites. And that begins in chapter 46, but we're in chapter 45. Chapter 45 is just a short prophecy about Baruch. Uh, You may remember Baruch as we've studied through the book of Jeremiah. Baruch was Jeremiah's scribe. Baruch was the one who copied down the prophecies that Jeremiah received from the Lord. He's the one who wrote them down. And there were, if you remember in earlier chapters, there was an occasion where because Jeremiah was in prison, Baruch is the one who went into the temple And he declared the prophecy or read the prophecy, went before the king and read the prophecy to the king. So that's that's Baruch. And here we have a prophecy concerning Baruch, the scribe of Jeremiah. It says in verse 1, The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book, at the instruction of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying... So remember, the book of Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. It's a collection of these prophecies from Jeremiah. So chapter 45 now jumps back in Judah's history to when Jehoiakim was king. And here in chapter 45, we we get a glimpse into uh, Baruch's humanity. 
and his personal struggle, his personal struggle with the cost of serving God. There's a cost that comes with serving God. There's a cost that comes with identifying with God. And we we see here Baruch's struggle with that cost. It says in verse 2, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Just to give you some background on Baruch that we've seen in the scriptures in the book of Jeremiah, Baruch came from a very affluent family in Jerusalem. He was from a well-connected family politically, an influential family politically. If you're a note taker back in chapter 32, verse 12, we're told that he was the grandson of the governor of Jerusalem during Josiah's reign. That's That's a pretty big deal. He was the grandson of the governor of Jerusalem. In chapter 51, verse 59, we see that his brother was an advisor to King Zedekiah. So Baruch had family connections. He was from a well-connected family, an influential family politically in Judah. And because of that, Baruch could have had a, you know, a high-profile position within the government an appointed position. He could have had a place of honor. He could have had a place of privilege serving the king. But Baruch chose to serve the Lord. He chose to identify with God. And because Baruch chose to serve the Lord, his choice came at a very high cost for him. Because you remember, Jeremiah was not popular with the politicians. He was not popular with the king or the governors. They, they put him in prison for his preaching. And Baruch, at some point in his life, he made a decision to identify with God. He made a decision to serve the Lord. And it was a decision that effectively killed any future opportunities he would have. It was a, a decision that killed his career. It was a decision that severed all of his family connections. There are times when we identify with Jesus Christ and that identification with Jesus Christ, it comes at a cost. There's a price that we pay, a personal price. It may cost you a promotion at work. You may get passed over. You may even lose your job because you've identified 
as a follower of Jesus Christ. It may cost you friends, friendships, relationships, identifying with Jesus Christ. Someone may target you because you identify with Jesus Christ. We've seen in recent years where business owners have been targeted because of their faith in Jesus Christ and because they believe the Bible and people have gone after them and sued them and tried to just drive them out of business because they despise what they believe and what they stand for. That might happen. That's just the time that we live in. You might get labeled as a bigot or a hater because of your identification with Jesus Christ and your belief in the Bible and what it teaches. I mean, that's just the reality of the world that we live in today. Jesus said, count the cost, right? He said, count the cost of being his disciple because many times when we choose to identify with Jesus Christ or we choose to uh, speak out for what we believe, it comes at a cost. I think of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament who before his conversion to Christ, he was this prominent Pharisee. He had a position of honor within Judaism. Some believe he was in line to become the high priest. He had recognition, and he lost all of it when he began to follow Christ. It cost him a lot to follow Christ. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul said that he suffered the loss of all things for the sake of Jesus Christ. It cost Paul everything. Everything he gained, everything he achieved, everything he worked for, his reputation, his position, his status, some believe his family, his friends, everything. He lost it all. But then he says, but he gained Christ. Right? And remember Paul says everything else is worthless. It's dung when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. There was a cost there. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul said, The world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. In other words, the world is is dead to me, Paul said, but also the world now counts me as dead. Because I follow Christ. The world has written me off, Paul says. Because I've identified my life with Christ. There's a cost I think of John the Baptist in the New Testament. John the Baptist was born into the family of a priest. His father, Zacharias, and his mother, Elizabeth, they both came from priest family. His father was a priest. And John, John would have grown up to serve as a priest in the temple, which was a very honorable position in that culture. That life would have provided him a comfortable life as a priest, life full of recognition as a priest. But God called John to something greater. And when John answered God's call, he closed the door to ever becoming a priest and serving in the temple. That door was closed forever because John answered God's call. It came at a cost for John. For Baruch here, when he made the choice to identify with God and serve God, he essentially threw away his future career in the king's palace and that life of affluence and power and honor and recognition and all of that. He signed all of that away 
when he identified with God. And in verse 3, Baruch laments what he has lost because he chose to identify with God. Again, look at verse 3. He says, woe is me now. For the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I, I fainted in my sighing and I find no rest. Verse 4 says, thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, what I have built, I will break down and what I have planted, I will pluck up. That is this whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. It's a great verse right there. Do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. And I think what the Lord says to Baruch here is so important. And what the Lord does here is he gives Baruch an eternal perspective on his life and the choice that he has made. Baruch is looking solely at the temporal and what he's lost by identifying with God, what he has given up, what he has forsaken by identifying for God. He's only looking at the temporal. God gets his eyes on the eternal and shows him what he's gained. And the Lord says here to Baruch, essentially, hey, I'm going to destroy this nation. You're seeking greatness for yourself in this nation, but I'm going to bring great disaster on this nation. And what good is greatness in a wicked society? What good is being exalted and honored by people who dishonor God, who are going to face the judgment of God? Who cares what they think about you? Who cares if they esteem you? They're facing the judgment of God. The Lord says here to Baruch, you're lamenting the honor that you've given up by identifying with me, but you've also given up suffering my judgment by identifying with me. (laughs) You've gained a lot more than you've given up. You know, in the New Testament, Peter has a similar sentiment. In 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Peter reminds us that one day God will judge this world and the world will be judged by fire and it's going to be dissolved by God. It's going to melt with a fervent heat. And then Peter says after that, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. We shouldn't be living for the things of this world. They shouldn't be all that important to us because one day this world's going to disappear. And so here what the Lord says to Baruch is, hey, Baruch, you're lamenting over losing status among people that I'm going to judge. And I'm going to spare you because you identified with me. He just gives him that eternal perspective on his life. It's good to have. So now in chapter 46, we come to this prophecy against Egypt. And if you remember in our study of Jeremiah, after the Babylonians captured and destroyed Judah and Jerusalem, and remember the Babylonians installed a governor over Judah, but that that governor was assassinated. And so the remnant that remained in Judah, they feared that the Babylonians would come back. He asked me how I know. 
book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry. Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know His voice and it only takes Rings true.